Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, hey, where you been? Buckeye talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to your Thursday Buckeye Talk. Douglas Maurice with a burr in my saddle. Buckeye talk. Uh, this is probably not going to be quite as long. It's just me. It's just something that I'm riled up about, and I would like to see changed in college football. And as I think they should move the Heisman Trophy voting until after the end of the entire season, when we go to the 12-team playoff in the 2024 season. So we'd have one more year of this. And my co-host, Shahan Jeharaja, and I did a whole hour plus on this on the College Football Survivor Show this week. I'm not trying to make you go listen to that. But if you'd want to, the full-throated debate is there. I have five and a half reasons why it should move. We talked about how it would have affected the Heisman balloting this year. We went back and looked at, in the nine-year history of the playoff, how many Heisman winners might have changed if it was postseason balloting instead of balloting that takes place after conference championship weekend. And it's the maddest that Shahan has ever been at me. And he got the full Doug, which... You guys usually get, Stephen and Nathan get, you guys get here on Buckeye Talk. On that show, I'm, you know, Shahan has like a huge depth of knowledge of national college football. And so I respect his opinion on a lot of stuff that he just knows more than I do. And so I don't dig in and scream as much as I do when it's Ohio State. And I've been doing this for almost two decades and I feel like I have a really good handle on stuff. So he uh, was a bit taken aback by my uh, jerkiness about how I presented my argument. And I was talking to my wife about this as we went to Chili's on Wednesday night because I want you guys to know that I, I walk it. I don't just talk it. I do go to Chili's in real life. I go to any restaurant where you can get a bottomless soup and salad combo. That's not what I usually get at Chili's, but it's what I got on Wednesday night. Bottomless. Here's the thing about bottomless soup and salad. Bottomless soup and salad. They got to have it at Olive Garden, have it at Chili's, a couple other places, right? It's a great deal because I ate two soups and three salads on Wednesday night. And sometimes I eat five soups and seven salads. But it's weird because it's often less than a full entree, but you make your server do eight times the work because they're bringing you your food three, four, five, six times. So you have to make sure that you account for that in the tip. I think you need to over tip because you're working them more and paying less. So just keep that in mind. But bottomless soup and salad is a way of life. I I mean, it's, is it the greatest? I did also say to my wife that I love soup, <laughs> which was a thing that you say when you're almost 50. I do love soup. But I also said to my wife as we were getting out of the car that I think... I'm the biggest jerk when I really feel like I'm right. And so I was a bigger jerk to Shahan on that show. And you can find the College Football Survivor Show wherever you listen to podcasts. Wherever you're listening to Buckeye Talk right now, you can just search in that podcast app and you'll find the College Football Survivor Show. And if for some reason you don't, let me know. You can tweet me at Dougley Murray. So if you're a tech subscriber, let me know there. But when I'm right is when I'm the fiercest and when I'm the most dug in. And when I'm dug in, that's when I'm a jerk. When I'm, a dug, when I'm dug in, that's when I'm dug. And I'm really dug in on this. And so what I want to do here is talk about 2014. There's a conversation you can have about how it would have affected C.J. Stroud's Heisman Trophy chances this year because C.J. Stroud played his best game after the Heisman voting. 
He played it against Georgia, against the best defense he played, on the biggest stage he played on, and he was at his best. So why shouldn't that count? And why shouldn't Stetson Bennett's two really good playoff games count? And Caleb Williams, who won the Heisman, by the way, went out and balled out against Tulane. But why shouldn't that count? But I think it's more illustrative of 2014. So I want to ask the question of whether Ezekiel Elliott should have a Heisman Trophy. And I really, I I just don't, other than it's not the way college football does it, I don't know what the reason would be for not moving the Heisman Trophy voting until after the end of the season. I, 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 I don't, there's not a real argument that I accept because it's just a different sport. There's not as much of a dividing line. And I get all into all of this on the other show as there is in the other sports. Everybody plays a bowl game. Everybody that matters plays a bowl game. So everybody has that. It's not like you are... You, we smush the seasons together more than we do in, other, in any other sport because it's not just the teams in the playoff that keep playing. Everybody keeps playing. And so anyway, there's a, there's a million reasons that I would do that. And so I sent this out to the texters to get a vibe on this. Sometimes we get like... Hey, you know, what do you what do you think of uh, this coach? Or what do you think of Michigan stuff? Or what do you think of whether somebody should be fired? And we get like overwhelming immediate response from tech subscribers when we put out these surveys. And if you want to be part of that, 614-350-3315. Did not get as much of that. This was not overwhelming. I'm sure there are people who are like, I don't, what? Like it's January? And you're asking me if they should move uh, the Heisman voting? So it's not as overwhelming, but the people who did vote, and again, it's one of these things, if you don't care, you don't vote. So the people who did vote, who chose to vote, it's still hundreds of people, probably have a strong opinion about it. So I'm not surprised that, yes, move the Heisman voting won, because there's probably a lot of abstentions or a lot of, no, keep it where it is, but I'm not going to bother to click a vote. In a text, 83% of our tech subscribers said move it till after the end of the season. And then I can ask as a companion question, if the Heisman voting was after the season, what would have happened with Ezekiel Elliott in 2014 when he did finish in the top 10, then ran for 476 yards in the playoff? Elliott would have won the Heisman or Marcus Mariota, who did win overwhelmingly, still would have won. 71% said Zeke would have won. Shahan thinks Zeke would have won. I think Zeke very well may have won, and we're going to break that down. But I want at least want to break down like why I think the full-throated case should be made. Why he certainly should have done more than not even finish in the top 10. So that's the discussion we want to have here. I also will tell you if the Heisman voting was after the season, rank how you would have voted for these four players who are the actual four players invited to New York. This is this year. Caleb Williams won it. TCU quarterback Max Duggan was second. C.J. Stroud was third. Stetson Bennett at Georgia was fourth. This is an Ohio State podcast. C.J. won, but Stetson Bennett was second. C.J. Stroud won. Stetson Bennett two. Caleb Williams three. Max Duggan four. No way Max Duggan finishes second in the Heisman voting. Even though his team made the national championship game. No way if it's after the playoff. And I, and I don't think that's wrong. Now, I don't... He still might have gone to New York and probably still should have gone to New York. But... One of the, the the cases that Shahan was making, God, he was mad at me. He did like a GIF, afterward, a GIF on a Twitter afterward that was like me during the entire college football survivor show this week. And then it was a GIF of someone saying like, dear God, give me strength or something like that, because that's what you get when you get the full Doug. But I don't think it's disrespectful of Max Duggan to say if you would have done it after the whole season, even though his team won a semifinal and he's really good. You just wouldn't have looked at it and said, yeah, second best guy in college football. The way, like the entire season, the whole view. I just don't know that there's a lot of, I don't know that there's anybody who would have voted Max Duggan ahead of Stetson Bennett if you did it after the playoff. And in the end, when we look back and we look back at, hey, Max Duggan finished second, Stetson Bennett finished fourth, I think we'll look back at that and be like, "Eh, I don't know, like, why was that? And I don't think we're disregarding the regular season, but I think we're emphasizing the most important games against the best competition on the biggest stages. And there's a little bit of a recency bias, but I wouldn't vote in the hours after the playoff. I'd give people a week to decompress and take everything into account. So if the argument is you're going to have a recency bias to the playoff games or the teams in the playoff, 
It's like, well, I don't know. Isn't that okay? We have a recency bias as it is now to conference championship games. You guys hear me talk about the Heisman all the time. I think you've got to play conference championship weekend. So that's a reality. We count that. That's a postseason game. That's a game you have to qualify for. That's not on your schedule. Not everybody gets to play that, but I think you have to play conference championship weekend unless you're Lamar Jackson. I think you have to play conference championship weekend to win the Heisman. Caleb Williams played conference championship weekend. His team didn't win, but he did enough to say, yeah, nope, that's the Heisman guy. So why do we do that, but then we don't count the playoff? So anyway, I, my five and a half arguments, you can go listen to them, but I want to break down should Ezekiel Elliott have a Heisman trophy? As an example of this, I'm going to, I think I want to write about this. I want to talk to the Heisman people about it. I don't know what the Heisman people, I don't know if they're sitting around having tea in like a, like a tea room, in a tea room somewhere. I don't, I don't have a handle on like who the Heisman people are, but I think they drink tea in New York City. That's what I imagine in my head. Ooh, hello. You've reached the Heisman Trophy Trust. You know, like those uh, like English, uh, American people who talk with a British accent for no reason. I think someone, I read a story on Twitter. No, I just read a headline on Twitter because that's what we all do, right? You see a headline on Twitter to an interesting story and then you don't actually read the story. But like with uh, like uh, Catherine Hepburn and like these movie stars in the 30s, like everybody in America who is fancy and rich just started speaking in a British accent for no reason because they thought it was cool. That's what I imagine the Heisman Trophy Trust doing. Hello. And then wouldn't it be weird if Stetson Bennett had won? And then the, the contrast between Heisman life and Stetson Bennett, right? That would have been cool. But at least it got to New York. So anyway, let's break down, should Ezekiel Elliott have a Heisman Trophy? And why, at the very least, to me, he should have been able to present his full resume as a Heisman Trophy candidate in a way he wasn't able to do with the way the voting is now. We'll do that next on Buckeye Talk. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Doug Maurice back. We have a, a cool one coming up. We were going to do it this week, and we delayed it. So I think we'll have rants for Friday. And then we are going to start doing on recent Ohio State Stars legacy podcasts. The working title for me right now is Buckeye Talk Legacy. And the first one we're going to do is on CJ Stroud. And I've created a format. I sent it out to Nathan and Steven and our bosses to see what they think of it. And I want it to be an evergreen podcast that encapsulates. It's sort of like a football life thing that they do on the NFL Network sometimes. It's like the story of this guy and his time at Ohio State. How he got here. How the beginning of his career was. The high points, the low points, the turning points. How he's thought of now that he's gone. And I think CJ is a really good good guy to start it with. So we're going to do that early next week. And I would like it to be something that now at Buckeye Talk, we have Buckeye Fly Effect where we do those what ifs. We have the uh, retalkables, Buckeye Talk retalkables, where we look back at old games. We sort of have these evergreen things that we do that you guys know. It's like, hey, we dropped those in the offseason. I'd like to make this kind of the next evergreen thing we do. And I think we could do it with all the big time dudes as they leave. And maybe we'll go back a little bit. Like, I think we could do Garrett Wilson. I think we could do Chris Olave. Maybe we could do Chase Young, Justin Fields, J.K. Dobbins, right? Guys like that. I don't think we can go back too far at this point because you lose the thread a little bit. But Steven started in late 2018. Nathan started in 2019. I think we could at least go back so that when the three of us talk about it, it's all guys that we covered. And we can have a lens on, hey, you know, and we'll do some, I don't know that we'll do extra reporting, but we'll synthesize. I love synthesizing information. We'll bring it all back together and then give you information again. Like remind you, like how a guy got here, what it was like early on, what people were saying, bring back old quotes, that kind of stuff. So I think CJ's a great guy to start that with. And I think we'll do that early next week and make that a new Buckeye Talk thing. But let's let's do this. And maybe we'll do this. We'll call it Burr in the Saddle. And it's like a thing that Doug's mad about. Again, we'll do full rants with the texters on Friday. So Ezekiel Elliott, 
Here's the comparison I'm going to make first, because this is this is a point, and it's and it's why I think. So part of the deal is teams now, in the 12 team playoff that starts in 2024. Well. The best teams will play either three or four playoff games, right? If you're a top four seed and you win the national championship, that'd be three games. If you're seeded five through 12 and you somehow make the national championship game, which is going to happen sometimes, Georgia last season as not the SEC champ would have been the five seed, right? So they would have had to take that path. Ohio State this year would not have been a top four seed because the top four seeds have to be conference champs. So could Ohio, and Ohio State was on the cusp of making the national championship game. So that five seed and that six seed are going to be super competitive and absolutely have a chance to wind up playing four playoff games. So the idea that you would count, for instance, C.J. Stroud this year, if this had been a 12-team playoff this year, if Ohio State had made the national championship game, that would have been four playoff games, but they didn't play in a conference championship game. So it was only 12 regular season games. So you're only counting 12 of 16 games that a guy plays? Like, why? I, I don't have a good reason. The way college football goes, I don't have a good reason for that. So I want to look at the fact that in 2014, Melvin Gordon, the Wisconsin running back, finished second in the Heisman Trophy voting that year. Now, he was way behind Marcus Mariota, Mariota who won. But he was also super far ahead of Ezekiel Elliott, who was an afterthought. Melvin Gordon got 1,250 points in the Heisman Trophy voting that year. Marcus Mariota winning got 2,534. So doubled him. Runaway winner. Marcus Mariota got 788 first place votes. Melvin Gordon got 37. They only released a top 10 in the Heisman voting. JT Barrett Right, hurt in the Michigan game and the 2014. He finished fifth that year. He sort of what I mean, he was Ohio State's Heisman Trophy candidate that year. No first place votes for JT. He had 78 points. He finished fifth. Wasn't invited to New York. Bryce Petty, the Baylor quarterback, finished 10th. He got 13 points. He had one first place vote, I assume by a Baylor writer. Three second place votes and four third place votes. So we know that Melvin Gordon got 1,250. Heisman points. Ezekiel Elliott got no more than 12 points. So he got 1% of Melvin Gordon's support at the most. Maybe he got no votes. We don't know. He didn't finish in the top 10. And the question would be why? Well, at the time of the Heisman voting, I added up their total touches. So I included the receiving in here because, you know, you throw a guy a little screen and he does something, right? That matters. I added up their total yards. At the time of the Heisman Trophy voting, Melvin Gordon had 326 touches for 2,487 yards and 29 touchdowns. At the time of the Heisman Trophy voting, Ezekiel Elliott had 243 touches for 1,610 yards and 12 touchdowns. Melvin Gordon averaged 7.6 yards per touch. Ezekiel Elliott averaged 6.6 yards per touch. So listen. It's 2,500 yards to 1,600 yards. It's 29 touchdowns to 12 touchdowns. Nobody's thinking that way. When they went, nobody's thinking, huh, you know what? I don't know. Maybe Ezekiel Elliott is a better Heisman candidate than Melvin Gordon. It's not even on the radar. They go head-to-head the last game before the Heisman Trophy voting. They go head-to-head in the Big Ten Championship game. Melvin Gordon goes 26 for 76. 26 touches for 76 total yards. Ezekiel Elliott, beginning his miraculous, stunning postseason run, goes 20 for 220. Both defenses, by Football Outsiders rankings, total rankings for the season, their F-plus rankings, just a, it's a good shorthand, both are top 20 defenses. They're about ranked the same. Ohio State's defense is 15th, Wisconsin's in 17th. So it's against the same quality of defense. And Zeke goes 20 for 220. Melvin Gordon goes 26 for 76. So you think about that head-to-head and you go, huh, I don't know. Are we sure that Melvin Gordon is the best running back in the Big Ten? But then you look at the cumulative stuff and you can't even, you can't take the discussion beyond that at that point. Because at that point, Melvin Gordon has five games in 13 of where he gained more than 200 yards from scrimmage. At that point, Ezekiel Elliott has two games in 13 where he gained more than 200 yards from scrimmage, right? 
and the overall total stats. Melvin Gordon had a game where he had 400 plus yards from scrimmage against Nebraska. Ezekiel Elliott doesn't have a game like that. Ezekiel Elliott's slow start to that season. Again, I tell this story all the time. I can remember the middle of that year. That was a really good year for running backs in the Big Ten. And people were talking about Melvin Gordon at Wisconsin. They were talking about David Cobb at Minnesota. They're talking about Jeremy Lankford at Michigan State. Uh, they were talking, who's the guy? Iowa had a guy too. And I can remember Urban Meyer in the middle of that year being asked about it and being like, well, I like our guy too. And it was like, okay, well, you like Ezekiel Elliott, but I don't like, I don't know. Is he that? Is he David Cobb? And then we saw what Zeke was coming, was becoming over the you know last part of the year. So some would say, well, he didn't do it consistently, do it all year. So he shouldn't be considered in the same way. But there are also things where everybody has big games and everybody has lesser games. So Melvin Gordon, you know, like I said, by the end of the year, he has more than 2,700 yards from scrimmage in 14 games, which is amazing. But he had 408 against Nebraska. So that's a huge game. And it counted. Of course, his best games counted. His best games counted because they happened to be during the regular season against lesser teams in less important games. But they all counted. Ezekiel Elliott's best games were at the end of the season against better defenses in more important games. And they didn't count. So my goal is not to discount what Melvin Gordon did against Nebraska. But it is to ask, why does what Melvin Gordon did against Nebraska count at what Ezekiel Elliott did against Alabama doesn't count? That's my question here. And I I don't have a good answer the way college football is structured. So we told you at the time of the Heisman voting, it's 2,487 yards from scrimmage for Melvin Gordon. It's 1,610 yards from scrimmage for Ezekiel Elliott. You just can't even go there. Now, if you did postseason voting that year, Melvin Gordon, by the way, balls out in the bowl game, goes to the Outback Bowl. It's Wisconsin versus Auburn. I think one's ranked 18, one's ranked 19. Both good, not great teams, but this is before the era of guys opting out, which is also one of my things in the other podcasts on the College Football Survivor Show. This would be an, an inducement, an enticement for very good players who are not in the playoff to play their bowl game because you're still making your Heisman case. Caleb Williams played his bowl game this year. It was awesome against Tulane. USC lost. Go listen to what Shahan thinks that would mean for the Heisman vote. USC lost. He had more than 400 yards passing and five touchdowns. Nobody blamed Caleb. Alex Grinch's fault. Alex Grinch stinks. They kept him as the USC defensive coordinator. But that's not Caleb Williams' fault. Caleb Williams reaffirmed everything he was in his bowl game. He played in his bowl game. So, I, you know... I don't want to make a guy play in a, quote, meaningless game. But guess what? If it's part of your Heisman Trophy resume, it adds meaning. Because if you're a guy on a team that is not in the playoff, your season has been, quote, meaningless from the minute you were eliminated from the playoff, which might have been in week four. If your team's two and two, it's like, well, we're out. Well, we're, we're four and three. We're out. Are you going to sit out the rest of the year? So we apply, like, the word meaningless to bowl games right now because you know you can't win a national championship or you know you can't win a conference championship. But there are great players on teams who keep playing who know that in October. And if everybody opted out the minute their team couldn't win a trophy, you'd have guys opting out in the middle of the season. So we have reached the point where there's no meaning to non-playoff bowl games, but if it's part of your Heisman resume and it's the game is promoted as such, that adds meaning back. Can you imagine that? I think it'd be cool. So Melvin Gordon, to his credit, went out and played Auburn and tore it up. Set an Outback Bowl record. 36 touches for 253 yards. Three touchdowns in that game. Melvin Gordon confirmed, enhanced what he was. He didn't get to do it against Alabama, but he did it against a good team. So that, that remains. Ezekiel Elliott... One out, Bama, as you know, 21 touches, 243 yards. Oregon, 37 touches, 245 yards. Six total touchdowns. Doesn't count for the Heisman resume. If you did postseason voting, Ezekiel Elliott, 301 touches, 2,098 yards, 18 touchdowns. Melvin Gordon, 362 touches, 2,740 yards, 
32 touchdowns. So, Melvin Gordon, still way ahead. Melvin Gordon, 7.6 yards per touch. Ezekiel Elliott, 7 yards per touch. Melvin Gordon, way ahead. But the gap between 2740 and 2100 for Ezekiel Elliott is smaller than the gap between 2487 and 1610. And I think the perception gap changes because Zeke did it on the big stage, but Melvin Gordon still had a big stage. Bowl game, top two top 20 teams, that's a big stage. And especially if you're going in as a strong Heisman candidate, everybody's paying even extra attention to that. But I think if you do it postseason, you at least open the door to comparing them in a way that you didn't think about it at the end of the regular season, even though head-to-head with similar defenses, Zeke went for over 200. Melvin Gordon, Melvin Gordon averaged less than three yards per touch against Ohio State. Ezekiel Elliott averaged 10. Now, that's not the only thing that it's about, but we, it, we couldn't even, it didn't matter. Like, that's a stark contrast on the biggest stage before the Heisman voting. Stark and by the way, one of the things that Shahan brought up, and he's mad. I think he's actually mad at me. I feel a little bad because I think he's like actually mad. I think, well, well, listen next week, see if he's still mad. I don't, my goal, I say this, my goal is not to make people mad. But if in pursuit of my goal, I do make people mad, eh, what are you going to do? So you just, you couldn't do anything with that head-to-head, but in a conversation about like, oh, Ohio State has better players, you know, of course the, the Ohio State guy has better stats, you know, you've got you've to take into account that, you know, a guy like Melvin Gordon um, is, is overcoming things because he isn't as surrounded by as much talent. Wisconsin that year had two first-team All-American offense, uh, two first-team All-Big Ten linemen, and one second team. And Ohio State had one first team and one second team. Pat Alfine was first team. Taylor Decker was second team. So actually, Melvin Gordon had a better offensive line. I mean, they had real dudes. We know that. We know that that's what Wisconsin's all about. So that's not a shock. But anyway, so if you're going to say, oh, well, poor poor Melvin Gordon, he was doing the thing he does. Wisconsin always has Heisman Trophy running backs because let's do what they do. So, I, I you know, that part of it, I think of Melvin Gordon, Ezekiel Elliott head-to-head. It's like, oh, Ezekiel Elliott had better talent. Did he? For what? For his job, did he? I, I don't think, I think it's close. And now I looked at what they did against top 25 defenses by the Football Outsiders rankings. That year, Melvin Gordon, the top 25 defenses he played, the only two were LSU in week one. They wound up as the seventh-ranked defense. He went 16 for 140, good. And Ohio State in the Big Ten Championship game, 26 for 76. Ezekiel Elliott wound up playing against, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six defenses ranked in the top 25. Virginia Tech was eighth. He went eight for 32 against that Bear defense when Ohio State lost. Bad, bad day for the Ohio State offense that day. Penn State was fourth. He went 27 for 116. Michigan State was 18th. He went 23 for 154. Michigan was 21st. He went 18 for 128. Wisconsin was 17th. He went 20 for 120. And Alabama was third. He went 21 for 243. So if you add up what they did against top 25 defenses that year, Melvin Gordon had 42 touches for 216 yards. That's 5.1 yards per touch. Ezekiel Elliott had 117 touches for 793 yards. That's 6.8 yards per touch. That's against the highest level competition. Melvin Gordon against Bowling Green was 14 for 258. A game against Northwestern that Wisconsin lost. They were the 36th ranked defense Northwestern was. He went 27 for 259. Purdue was the 74th ranked defense. He went 28 for 249. Nebraska had the 30th ranked defense. That's actually a pretty solid defense. And again, he went nuts, 25 for 408. Iowa, the 48th-ranked defense, he went 35 for 264. So I'm not taking away from it. Again, the cumulative stats. I'm not saying that Melvin Gordon didn't have a great year. But Ezekiel Elliott's best stuff came late, too late to even bother with the comparison. 
So I'm not saying that when you say, oh, let's see against top 25 defenses, because it's arbitrary. If I would include in top 30 defenses, now I'm bringing in Melvin Gordon's 25-408 game against Nebraska, and that boosts him up. It's arbitrary where you draw lines, and you do that with stats all the time. You want to draw it at 20, top 20 defense, top 25, top 30, top 50. We understand that. But you didn't even have the right to do it. You didn't even have the opportunity to try to compare Melvin Gordon and Ezekiel Elliott because the best of Zeke didn't count. Why? That's my question. Why? Why doesn't it count? And I don't have an answer to that. So the question is, would Ezekiel Elliott have won the Heisman in 2014? If you believe that if we do this, which we should, if we do this, we're going to overrate playoff performance. We're going to recency bias ourselves into oblivion. And we're going to wind up with the star of the playoff wins the Heisman every year. I don't think, as long we got to give a little time, I don't think we'll get to that point. But I think it is more egregious that Ezekiel Elliott on the biggest stage, who do you remember from college football that year? What do you remember? That guy didn't even finish ahead of Bryce Petty. That guy got 12 points max. Why? That's what I want to want. That's what I want to fix. Let's fix this. Tell me why. Tell me why Melvin Gordon against Nebraska counts and Ezekiel Elliott against Alabama doesn't. I don't have a good reason for it. It's a narrative award and you're handing out the award before you're done with the book. Before the story is told. We don't think of it. We just don't. We think of it all. We think of it all together. College football. All the stats are lumped in the same. College football. There's not regular. They don't cut off the stats after 12 games. And by the way, if you don't want to do this, let's move it to 12 games then. Let's do it because we're already counting part of the postseason. So why not count all of it? You're counting the conference championship game that rewards the players on the best teams who get to that biggest stage. Why are we doing part of the postseason, but not all of it? Why are we doing the beginning, but not the end? Why are we not doing the most important games? Why? If we're not going to do this, then reward it after 12 games. Alabama plays Auburn. Ohio State plays Michigan. Everybody vote. Then go play the conference championship games. I think you've got to do one or the other. You're in in-between land right now, and in a world where the playoff is getting bigger, more teams, more players, more value, more, more a part, a bigger chunk of what these guys do. I can't believe it. we wouldn't do it. So if you want to get into the numbers with Ezekiel Elliott and, and Melvin Gordon, I think you start making a case for Zeke. I don't know that he still would have finished ahead of Melvin Gordon. I don't know that he should have. But you start valuing that head-to-head Ohio State-Wisconsin more. You start valuing what it, what Zeke did against Alabama more. But Melvin Gordon goes out and finishes strong, man. Finishes strong. All respect to that dude. That guy's a great player. But how does Zeke not even finish in the top 10? That's my point. When we come back, we'll wrap this up. Oh, I got a burr in my saddle. I got a burr in my saddle. I don't think I've ever ridden a horse. Have I been in a saddle? At Girl Scout camp, I walked next to my daughter's horse my older daughter and my wife did ride the horses it was horse camp i don't think i got on i don't think i've been on a horse i've been thinking about we want to do a traffic podcast <laughs> we've promised you a traffic podcast here in the off season i actually want to get that together so we can talk about what you do at red lights how you park people get fired up about traffic i feel like i also should we just do have you ever been on a horse let me write this down. Do you think, and think to yourself, are we going to be over 50% on the text or voting? Have you ever been on a horse? What do you think that number is for Americans? And I guess does it count like if you did a pony ride when you were a kid? How about, have you been, uh, it's two separate questions. Have you ever been on a horse? And have you been on a horse since you turned 18? Because as we know, once you turn 18, then uh, you can vote and you can go off to war and then you're also allowed to ride a horse. So let's think about that. Have you ridden a horse? Think to yourself. Have you ridden a horse? 
This is also like a good icebreaker question, right? Maybe a team building exercise for your job. Who here's who here's ridden a horse? Describe it to those of us who haven't. Unless it's gonna be like 90%. I don't think it's gonna be 90%. Like everyone's like, uh, yeah, Doug, we've all ridden a horse. Who hasn't? Right? No, not 90. People grew up in urban areas, right? You don't have um, I grew up in the city. I don't have a a horsing opportunity. Even if you didn't, if you weren't actually in a rural setting, if you didn't have a horse, if you don't have a horse, how do you ride a horse? You know who's ridden a horse? Tim May. Tim May has horses at his home. Tim May comes from a horse a, a horsing family. I do not. I don't know if you <laughs> working at. Have you ridden? Yeah, no, this is a conversation starter. I, there's at least one of you listening to this who turned to the person you're with and said, have you ever ridden a horse? And then you just had a horse conversation that makes me happy. When we come back, would Zeke have beaten Marcus Mariota next? All right, so we're coming down to the wire on would Ezekiel Elliott have won the Heisman Trophy again? Marcus Mariota, overwhelming. I do think, here's, so first of all, would Zeke have gotten past Melvin Gordon? I think it would have been close. I think it would have been close. And I would encourage all the voters in the postseason Heisman to not go too crazy with the playoff stuff. But I think Melvin Gordon with a really strong game versus Auburn. In the end, Melvin Gordon is 200 plus yards from scrimmage at six out of 14 games. Zeke is four out of 15. But Zeke did it in the last three games of the the season. So at one point he was one out of 12 and then he was four out of 15. Melvin Gordon also finished really strong. He did it in three of the four final, three of the five, no, three of the four final regular season games. And then he did it again in the bowl game. So 200 yards plus from scrimmage, Melvin Gordon, six of 14, Zeke, four of 15. Overall raw stats, still Melvin Gordon. Biggest stage, biggest games, head to head. I think it's tight. I think Zeke edges him. And it's not only a raw stats. It's not. We know that. It's not only raw stats. But I think people, smart voters, and part of the issue is we don't think the voters are smart. And that's another component of this. I keep talking about it. I, I gotta. I talk and I don't do. I really think there's a problem with the Heisman voting. So if you had smart voters, it at least would have allowed the smart voters to dig in on, here are the raw stats, Edge, Melvin, Gordon. Here's the level of competition they happened against. Here's how they contributed to the success of their team. Here's a view of their individual excellence. Here's their highlights. Here's how they fit into the story of the college football season. All those things. I think we can agree, right? We're at 70% saying Zeke would have won the whole Heisman. I think we can agree Postseason, you can see how Zeke has a case, whereas when you voted in December, he did not have a case. So let's go to Marcus Mariota, who winds up in the national championship game with Ohio State. And I do just think if you have the Heisman at risk, the Heisman up for grabs, not that you need to enhance the national championship game, but it would have been maybe the two leading Heisman contenders. It's Ohio State versus Oregon. It's Ezekiel Elliott versus Marcus Mariota. It was that anyway. But it was like Marcus Mariota already had it in the bag, and Zeke finished no higher than 11th. Marcus Mariota in the playoff, 26 of 36 for 338, also ran it eight times for 62 yards. So that's more than 400 yards from scrimmage. It's actually exactly 400 yards from scrimmage. In the semifinal against Florida State, they blow him out, 59-20, three total touchdowns. So listen, the dude backs it up. Then Ohio State, the national championship game, 24 of 37, 333, runs it 10 times for 39, two touchdowns, one interception, took two sacks. So still threw for more than 300. So in, let's see, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. He did play in every game. 13 games that season, 12 plus one Pac-12 championship game plus two playoff games. So 15 games. He's over 300 yards passing in 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, Six, seven, eight, nine, nine of the 15. He's great. He's awesome. He goes from 3,783 passing yards when the Heisman was voted on to 4,454 because he threw for 671 in the playoff. He ran for 669 when the Heisman was voted on. He ran for another 100. In the playoff, right? The guy's a dual threat monster. Probably should win. Would some people ride the Zeke case all the way to voting for him number one? Yeah, some would. But I don't think a vote for Zeke there is crazy. 
I don't think a vote for Zeke there is taking away from the regular season. Because Zeke did put up some stuff. Against Cincinnati, he was 33 for 233. That was his biggest game before the last... His only 200-plus game, yards from scrimmage, before the last three of the year. He had the slow start, but he had overall 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. 11 of 15 games, he was over 100 yards from scrimmage. So he just had a little bit of a slow start. And then, like, it's one of the, it's the same argument we always have. They pulled him out in some blowouts. 16 for 97 against Rutgers. They blow them out. 10 for 68 against Illinois. Blew them out. 11 for 117 against Kent State. Blew them out, right? Melvin Gordon was 14 for 258 against Bowling Green. So Melvin Gordon had 140 more yards in their, against their MAC opponent compared to Zeke. But is that is that the end-all, be-all? So... Marcus Mariota is still a really compelling case. He's a good Heisman winner. You are the quarterback of a team that wins the Pac-12, makes the playoff, and makes the national championship game, and it's because of you. On the College Football Survivor Show in December, I did the best Heisman candidates of the playoff era. Caleb Williams did not crack the top 10. Marcus Mariota is a significantly better Heisman winner than Caleb Williams. Both on, I mean, like the individual stats are similar, but you think about what the result was right, and what he did. Marcus Mariota, in the end, he's enhancing a Heisman case in the playoff. He's enhancing his case. Now, would Zeke enhance it more? Marcus Mariota was the was the front runner, the overwhelming front runner entering the playoff, as we know, because he was the overwhelming winner in the actual vote. Zeke's coming from way off the radar. radar. Is he going to make up enough ground? From 11th place at best to 1st place, he's going to make up that ground in two games against a guy who's throwing for 338 and 333? Probably not. But guess what? He should have the chance to. So I think we need better voters. I think we have to think that voters are capable of watching the playoff, taking it into account, but not overreacting to it. And I think we are aware that we're also able of taking into account, we're also, we can take into account what Melvin Gordon did against a good Auburn team and have that matter too. So in the end, I think if you do it postseason, I think for sure Ezekiel Elliott gets to New York. I think for sure he's in the top four or five as opposed to being not even in the top 10. And I think that is better for everyone. In the end, is my conclusion that he would have won? No. But here's your top 10 in the Heisman voting that year. Marcus Mariota, 2,534 points. Melvin Gordon, 1,250. Amari Cooper, the Alabama receiver, 1,023. They're the only three invited to New York. Fourth, Trevon Boykin, the TCU quarterback, 218. JT Barrett's fifth with 78 points. Jameis Winston, Florida State, 19. He has nine, no, he has 51 total points. He's sixth. Tevin Coleman from Indiana, who's 2,000 plus yards. He is seventh. He gets uh, 44 total points. Dak Prescott from Mississippi State, 21 points. Scooby Wright, a linebacker from Arizona, 21 points. Scooby Wright finished ahead of Ezekiel Elliott. Bryce Petty, Baylor quarterback, he's 10th. He's 13 points. I think at the very least, so Zeke, with what he does, becomes becomes Ohio State's best Heisman candidate instead of JT Barrett. So at the worst, he finishes fifth. He definitely passes Trevon Boykin. He's now fourth at the worst. I think he also passes Amari Cooper. So now he's third at the worst. And I think it's a coin flip between Zeke and Melvin Gordon. And I think they both finish behind Marcus Mariota. But instead of Mariota getting 788 first place votes and Gordon getting 37, I think Zeke gets first place votes in the hundreds. And Mariota is less of a runaway winner. Is that bad? Is that worse? Is that unfair? Is that not what college football is about? I don't see the case. I don't see the case why you would say, no, Doug, you're wrong. I just... Don't, maybe because I'm blind. But anyway, that's that's where that's where I am with this. Let's get to um some responses from the, the text subscribers. With the extended playoffs, they have no choice but to do so. However, Alex from North Baltimore says it's meant to be a regular season award. I believe we are currently putting too much focus on the postseason. I prefer it where it is. 
I'd be okay with a new award, something like a playoff MVP, but that's not what the Heisman is. I want the Heisman in the hands of the most electrifying player in the country for the whole season. Johnny Football, Lamar Jackson, these guys didn't have the horses on their teams to get to the playoff, but they did deserve to win the Heisman Trophy with the way they played. So, playoff era, seven of the nine Heisman winners are on a playoff team. The two who weren't Lamar Jackson and Caleb Williams. So, like, we're kind of there anyway. So... Joseph in Atlanta, Doug, the real thing the playoff needs is a playoff MVP trophy. Every other league with a playoff system has one. Keep the Heisman a regular season award and add the playoff MVP. We also suggested that. The Survivor Show, I called it the Vince Young Award. Uh, let's see. Moving the voting to post-playoff would make the trophy much more likely to go to the best player on the best team. I could easily see Stetson Bennett winning it this year. Um, they Someone from the 614 imagines that one of the networks will get a chance to make a postseason award from the 304 doug i think you'd be going down a dangerous path if the heisman moved to after the season it would really be highlighting and focusing solely on the playoff and the performances in them college football is slowly separating the regular season from the past season if it was the bcs era i would agree with you back then your heisman trophy winner might be in the orange bowl and try his hardest in it not possibly sit out college football is amazing and one of the reasons why is because it has the best regular season this move would highlight the playoff and take away from what makes the sport special Sorry to break the news to you, but the 12-team playoff is going to do that anyway. So we're now going to hand that award where 25% of your games aren't going to count for your Heisman resume. So, like, we're already there. And as I said, seven of the nine, it's already going 90% of the time to the best, a best player on a best team. Caleb Williams won it because his team was in the mix. If Caleb Williams played for a team that was 17th in the country. And it was a bad Heisman year. I don't know. I, like, we're already there. That's the thing. We're already there. So we're already there with it going to these guys who are in the playoffs. So then why not have the playoff be part of it? That's the thing I don't understand. We're already there. Three of the four guys in New York were playoff quarterbacks. Only the winner wasn't. It's Max Duggan, Stetson Bennett, and C.J. Stroud. We're already there. What you guys are fearing, if you're against it, what you're fearing is already happening. So then why not take the whole resume? I get the argument since those games count quote your stats. The only issue is the winner would be the championship winning quarterback 9 out of 10 times and maybe even 10 out of 10. Lamar's special season would not have won the Heisman. Watson and his performance over Bama would have given him the trophy. Exactly. How is that bad? Deshaun Watson finished second that year and then threw for 400 plus yards and beat Bama in the national championship game. And that's an argument against my idea? Oh no, Deshaun Watson would have won the Heisman over Lamar Jackson. What are we talking about? How is that wrong? This year, Stetson Bennett would have won it after the two great games in the playoffs, even though um, people questioned him even being a finalist. The award would become who had the best playoff, not the best season from the 419. I think the Heisman should remain where it is from the 614. This is our guy, Brad Smith. If they move it to after the playoffs, then I believe those games will have too large an effect on the voting. Uh, you can reward a player like Zeke who stepped up in the playoff. That should be separate from the Heisman. I would have voted for moving the Heisman to after the playoffs if it was a choice. That is to say, when it's expanded from the 937. So that's where it's going to be expanded. From the 616, I've always thought that the Heisman was in a weird spot. I've always been in favor of moving it. My only fear with moving the Heisman is how often will the national champs team have a player who ends up winning the, being the Heisman winner? I'm guessing pretty often. But the counterpoint is how often is the best player in college football on the national championship team? Probably pretty often. I love your take on the Heisman winner telling the story of the college football season and moving the Heisman would allow for the ability to complete that story. However, there are so many stupid voters that I feel as though the only way the Heisman could succeed in this new model would be a full rebrand to the voters where it is emphasized that the Heisman winner should tell the story of the college football season. Even then, too many idiots. Um, from the 330, Doug, with this thought, it would help everyone to get another big-time game to show they deserve it, but yes. So, anyway... From the 808, Doug, my survey response to moving the Heisman back to the end of the entire season corresponds to moving to a 12-team playoff. This will give more players an opportunity to shine versus players on the big stage. That's Craig from San Diego. So my thing is that my idea is with the 12-team playoff. That's why I'm here. It's not now because we can't do it anyway. So I think the sport's changing. And if you are afraid of the regular season being de-emphasized, if you are afraid of it becoming a national sport instead of a regional sport, it's happening. Both those things are already happening. So what you're holding on to is gone. So let the most important award in the sport, nay, the most important individual award in North American sports, reflect the changes that are happening in the sport. Don't 
let the Heisman be antiquated. It's over. Maybe you don't like the 12-team playoff. Maybe you don't like the nationalization of the sport, but it's here. And I think the Heisman must reflect that. So that's why we're at this point. Okay, Burr in my saddle. Love the Twitter. I mean, love the texter responses. Love the texter responses. Thank you for the votes. This is going to be a little burr in my saddle for the offseason. We'll see how that goes. We have a lot of other stuff coming along. We have a lot of other stuff coming along. We have the CJ pod. We have rants. We have stuff next week. I sent this out to the texters. We're going to address basketball at some point. We know there are some of you that don't care about basketball. Ohio State's 3-6 and six in the Big Ten in basketball right now. This is the fourth time in the last seven years that Ohio State's been 3-6 and six in the regular season in Big Ten play. So it's like, this has not been great. But it's not unusual. These next three games, at Indiana, home Wisconsin, at Michigan. Let's see where we are. And if it's bad, then I'm going to be on here telling you what I think should happen. Or maybe they start winning some of these close games, get their feet under them. It's a young team. And all of a sudden, they're right back in the middle of the pack in the Big Ten and looking like they're on track for an NCAA tournament berth, which at the moment, it doesn't seem like that's where they are. So... I know I, you know, I, I tweeted something like a week ago about Holtman, and it got a lot of re- reaction on Twitter. And you guys know where I am with that. I just, but I'm, I want to, I want to let this play out a little bit more before we, uh, before we really have some strong opinions about it. It's too early. It's not even halfway through the Big Ten season, so it's too early. But let's see this, this, this next three game stretch. The difference between six and six and three and nine, and I think they could do anything. I think they go 3-0 and in the next three. They could go 0-3. They could go anything in between, which I guess is only two other things. 1-2, and 2-1. and one. The difference between 3-9 and nine and 6-6 six and six is like the difference between, it's like a turning point in like Chris Holtman's life. So I don't want to put too much on it, but they've, you know, they've been here before and they've never completely fallen off a cliff when they've been here before. I texted out what happened last couple times they were here. So let's see how that plays out. For now, we'll come back with rants on Friday. Appreciate you guys letting me get this off my chest and being part of it, giving me your feelings on it. Always, I always like to know where we are, right? I think this, am I nuts? Half nuts, not nuts. Buckeye Talk. Thanks, you guys, for listening. I'm Doug Maurice, and that was Buckeye Talk. Buckeye Talk.